What's up, guys? This is Marciano Zapian. I am here with Michael Luciano and Titus Wilkinson. And we are the sled. Well, this podcast is the sled. Um, where we are going to explore aspects of film, our own personal favorites, uh, analysis of particular films. Just film, really. We're just going to talk film. So, uh, to give more history about the uh, foundation of this podcast is the founder of this podcast, Michael Luciano. The name stems from uh, Citizen Kane, which was uh, Orson Welles' biggest film that he did, and it was considered, and still is, the greatest film of all time. And in it, it's about a man who comes into an enormous amount of wealth, decides to run a newspaper, ends up being like, um, he becomes infamous almost among people. He becomes a very celebrated man, a very controversial man. And then he up and dies one day. And the last word he says is Rosebud. And so the whole film is them exploring what Rosebud could possibly be. And it takes it back to his origins, which is him as a little kid in Colorado being taken away um, from his parents to go be raised by a rich guy to learn high society. And he was sledding at the time, and he had to leave it behind, and then he gets it back later on. But the most important thing in the world to him was his sled, and his sled was called Rosebud. And I thought that was very um, meaningful, you know, like the guy who has everything and all he cared about was this piece of his childhood because he lost that. So that's where the name comes from. Awesome. Yeah. Um, big fan of Citizen Kane. Um, I, I really like the, the name and its origin just based on like there is a anchoring point within everybody's life and for it to be or for that anchor to be an object or just a, a symbol I mean for that to be the signet of anything that's I, I feel like that's a really good anchoring point I mean this I mean I, I guess I'll speak for I, I guess I'll speak for the crowd or just maybe even just for myself that film is a major part of my life I uh I, I was tied to it at a young age. I really had nothing else better to do but read. I mean, I was brought up poor. Same thing. And um, I had the mindset that it was I had to figure something out or get really interested in something or just succumb to boredom. And film became something almost transcend like transcendent of freedom or like uh, transcendent of the form leading to my meaning of freedom I mean it's it was an escape and then it eventually became a major part of my language and my discourse and my thinking so um, yeah like for this to be named the sled I think that's that's really cool an anchoring point 
I think film is that anchoring point for all of us. Trolls breaking box office record um, and, and proving that, or posing the question, do we need movie theaters? Do, like, I, I think that's a good starting point to go off of. I mean, like, while we're here, why not? Titus, what do you think about it? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that the movie theaters, I think it's, you know, that, that whole entire idea of that, how important, you know, the ex- experience is, I guess. You know, I feel that the, that the movie-going experience is what really... I think people go for, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of the visuals and the sound as well, but I think it's really that, that, you know, getting out of the house and actually going, there's something about that, that experience, you know, I don't know, that's, that's what I think they may, they'll not necessarily all go away, but I do think that, you know, movie theaters that maybe can't provide that experience as well may go away. I did hear something cool recently, though, regarding movie theaters. Because of COVID, they're saying that movie theaters might close down permanently, but something that they might bring back are drive throughs Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Drive-in movies. Wait, that's that's news to me, that they're taking down movie theaters? They're thinking about uh, the fact that movie theaters just aren't, right now, they're not viable, right? They're not making any money because you can't... You can't sell tickets there, right? They're closed. People are too close to each other. It's a health hazard, whatever you want to call it. But with the drive-in movie theater, you pull up in your car and you just tune your radio and you can watch a whole movie from your car. I mean, that's tangible. Like, like that, That's a good solution temporarily. Temporarily. Yeah. I, I will say, like... Uh, Without without stepping on any toes, obviously, the, with with the background and, and circumstances being as they are, I do think that proximity or any any establishment that has proximity, we we really need to take into consideration uh, health health and safety. But I will say that the the testament that this establishment is or a theater or a movie house or art house uh theater is is your approaching or your willingness to give yourself to an experience and to surrender total autonomy or agency to this experience you're stuck in your seat people are going to get pissed at you if you talk or you're texting or you're elsewhere just PSA, don't be a douche. Turn off your phone. Um, if you if you go like if you go there, particularly like serious moviegoers and and people, um, just people that love people who are looking for an escape, where they yeah, like they are here solely for that reason. Whereas like if you watch films w- that regard drive-in theaters. Greece, for example, uh, The Outsiders. Yeah, without getting, without go straying and segueing too much, but drive-in theaters aren't really. I'm gonna make the statement. I, I'm gonna make the statement. As much as it's a screen, and as much as you're sitting down and watching, and you paid to go there, 
it's not the same. It's, it's not a theater. I, I will make that argument that, like, obviously there's sound, you're in your own environment, and you're enclosed, but I will say that a lot of the time, it's just circumstantial. Like, if you're in a room full of people with, or in a room where there's, like, resonance, and any whisper can be picked up by another person next to you, guaranteed you're going to hear shh. Whereas if you're in a driving theater, everybody's going to be walking around. Some some guys not going to choose to watch the film. They're going to blast their music. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of circumstance surrounding it. It's a little too open for me. And I just you ever been to a driving movie? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, and it's and it's fun. Like I love the experience. But then if we're being real, it's not the same. I I would just go hang out with my friends. Oh. Yeah, I would just I would just go hang out. I would go to the, the the concession stand, and then by the time I was on my way to the car, I'd see one of my other friends like from school, and I'd, hey! and I'd go walk over there and and say hello and start talking. So it's at that point, like, what was your first? Did, have you been to a drive-in? Yeah. <clears throat> what movie did you see? Oh, I saw Lilo and Stitch there back when that first hey. came out. That was, that was pretty cool. What about you, Titus? Actually, I've never been to drive through theater myself. Oh. Dang. Well, you know what? Maybe this experience will yield some something new for you. I mean, it's yeah. not all bad. No, nothing is all bad, and, and I guess I'm seeing every day that. Wow, we we got real optimistic. <laughs> film isn't about optimism. It's it's all pessimism. It really depends on what film you watch. Yeah. No. Uh, if you're watching G-rated films, obviously life is optimism. But if you're watching R-rated films. Yeah. God is dead. Very, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. like, not a very positive experience. Yeah. Well, it, it obviously there's there's catharsis, but for the most part, it's you're being being hit with mature themes. So obviously, yeah. it's it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but it will end in some sort of relief or human relief, um, as I think it should. But who am I? Um, but I will say that, um, with every new day, it's, it's starting to seem like it's, it's just a new experience and it, it, surrounding all the bad or within the bad, there's like glimpses of good. Silver linings. Yeah. Silver linings. So yeah. Um, maybe this is a new experience for you, Titus. Maybe the, the resurgence of drive-in theaters will yield something new for you. You'll, you'll be like, well, wow. I don't want theaters anymore. I, I'm down with just driving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of like, uh, like uh, theaters that play older movies. I think, you know, like the state, uh, locally. You mm. know, I, I really like movie theaters that kind of that play that play a mixture of newer and older movies. I think that's that's been really cool. You know, because uh, it just exposes people to. A, a wider variety of movies in my opinion not just that but sometimes when they have a throwback you get to see movies in a theater that you otherwise never would have like uh when they did pulp fiction and they showed that at the state that was really cool because i don't know i wasn't alive in 95 to go see pulp fiction i don't know if any of you were I like I like how Mike is looking at me. Just disclaimer at wow personal information. Twenty four, which puts me right about nineteen ninety six. 
So, it was as to when I was born. So, no, I was not alive as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the geezer of the room, but I was not alive at that point. And I could see where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah it's it's an experience to see a movie that's that you didn't get to see on, on the screen for the first time. Like, uh, I'm still waiting on Blade Runner. I really still am waiting on Blade Runner for, for that to happen. But, you know... With things being as they are, don't get your hopes. Yeah, if it's at the drive-in, though, are you gonna go see it? I don't know. You, you know, to be honest with you, um, I would want to see it, obviously, for the color and and just if for the like, just for the experience, obviously. But is it gonna be the same quality as if it's in a art house theater or in a just regular theater? No, I do not think so. Um, yeah, because I just, I, it all harkens back to Scooby-Doo, the first, the, the live action Scooby-Doo, the first one. Yep. That was my first drive-in experience. And, you know, oh I still don't like, I remember, I like to boast this. I pretty much remember every movie that I've seen in parts or just parts that like moved me. There's not a single movie where, like, there is, like, there was a part that didn't, there's always a part that moves me, even if it was, like, a really funny part, a really stupid part, a really aggravating part, even if it's something that I didn't like. I can't wait to hear this. What? What part of Scooby-Doo moved you? No, that's, that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm getting at. I don't remember that movie at all. I remember hanging out with my friends. I remember, um riding my razor around and people got pissed because I was riding around when I should have been in my car and eventually they caught up with me and they're like, get in your car, we're kicking you out. So that's, that's driving theaters for me. That's, that's the experience I got. Oh man. It was like, as you can tell, it's kind of a, kind of a negative experience. Like the only net positive, like probably negative experience or experience that I've had with the theater was getting almost kicked out of uh, Looper because we, me and a few friends, like, movie hopped. And that was our third movie. And they came in. Obviously, you can't buy tickets that are rated R if you're, like, under a specific age. We were, like, 16. And, like, the minute they came in to check on everybody, like, see that they weren't, like, recording or whatever, um... Like, they were just tits on the screen, and we were sitting front row. Didn't pay for tickets, obviously, and the lady that, like, took our tickets for the original movie walked in and was checking on the movie, so. Negative experience? No. Almost a negative experience? Yeah, probably, but still, it was a positive experience. I mean, I can see that. I mean, a lot of of really great experiences for me came from the movie theater, I mean. Yeah, I remember buying movie. I remember buying tickets for a PG thirteen movie, and then just going up, like knowing that the movie I actually wanted to see, which was R, was playing at the same time, and just walk into that theater instead. I just so, re- I just realized that doing this is given away that like I robbed the movie theater, which is like a cardinal sin. But you know, uh, what's, what's that thing that's like you know once the crime is like removed far enough, like statute limitations or whatever. I mean, Statue of Limitations. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll remember that one. I'll hang on to that one next time. 
Oh, the Statue of Limitations. I don't know. If you film a movie in the theater, it's a $250,000 fine plus 10 years in prison, so... You really don't think that's going to happen in a drive-in theater? Well, you stand on a hill high enough. (laughs) I think, well, I think that pirating movies is going to go way down, probably, because you can't get the same quality as you can in a movie theater, so... We're making arguments for why the movie theater shouldn't be open. We need to keep movie theaters open. No, that's true. That's true. The quintessential experience of watching a movie for the first time is seeing it in theaters. And I think... Like, after my naivete days, like, I started to really, especially when they started putting out commercials of, like, the, the director or the main actor addressing the audience, thank you for coming to the movie. Yeah. Like, I, that's when I had the sad, the sad realization that, like, my dollar is keeping someone alive or keeping an industry alive. And then at that point it was like I'm no I'm no longer an audience member but I'm I'm a participant. So like at that point it's like I get mad when I see people like hopping movies now. Like that story like as much as I remember that story and I'm like <laughs> it's still like a like now it's like a dick move to me. I I just think that if you're going to participate in, in film, participate. Like, just pay for the film, bro. It took money to make. Yeah. Anyway, like, <laughs> Mike's over here like, you went full 180, didn't you? Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, film is controversy, but, so that's that's fine, too. No. I mean, you, know, you, you, you speak with your wallet, you know, and that, that's the thing. You know, the, you know the movie industry will listen. You know, and if you, if you know, if you, if you don't support, you know, Transformers Six, then hopefully they will make a, you know, Transformers Seven or whatever. You know, like that's I don't know. You know. So it's about you know just speaking with your wallet. You know, that's that's why you know I do think yeah it is important to support the movies that you know more like indie movies that are out there that maybe don't have a wide release. You know, it's important to support them. You know, give them your money, and hopefully they'll you know continue to make more movies that you like. That raises a good question. And uh, before all of all of this, I I express like levels of disdain for big box theaters who weren't showing movies like Uncut Gems for more than like one showing yeah and and, yeah two weeks Uh, and you get like two windows to see it or parasites you get like one window you get to see like they show it one day so you better get in on it and then when people started to hype it up that's when they stepped it up but it's i just i what's your what's your guys's take on focus groups and the power that they have over the film market obviously the like obviously we're gonna go where the money is, but also there's just potential story making uh, or storytelling that just goes unaddressed. What's what's your guys' well, take on it? It's kind of the it's like the controversy of cinema and movies, right? It's the same controversy as movie stars and actors, like. Um, Kevin Hart's a movie star, Chadwick Bosman's an actor. Like, that difference, where some people make movies just for the sake of making movies, and other people are in it for 
the art form. Not saying that Kevin Hart isn't in it for the art form or Chadwick Boseman's only in it for the art form, but it's kind of the same difference, right? Like for every um, for every three billboards outside of Ebbing, there are five Fast and Furious movies. You know, like there's always. I feel like um, Transformers, Fast and Furious, all the big budget just action flicks that are popcorn films, I feel like they're essential to the market in focus groups because they're the ones who pull in the money to make art films. Oh. That's how you get the Academy Award winning films and all of that is studios make a lot of money off of jet-fueled adrenaline rushes and then they put that into a teacup, pretty much. And then you just sip tea for a while. I was going to say, like, at that point, do you go, do you stop knowing that you're a participant, a participant, do you continue to watch formulaic movies or, and, and pay for the industry as a whole? Or do you simply participate in art house movies with small budgets and they get obvious obviously with small budgets and a lot riding on them uh, even if you do participate is it still peanuts at that point and is it going to keep the industry alive it's it's a weird little little paradigm that we have there um what say you titus well i mean i do think that you know I mean, there are certain, you know, popcorn movies out there um, that do, you know, because sometimes you just want to see, like, an action, you know, uh, filled movie. You know, I think one of the few movies that does that right that recently came out would be, like, Mission Impossible. The most recent one that came out was fantastic and definitely the kind of movie that you want to see in uh, theaters. And it may not have the, you know, greatest story and it doesn't really have a deeper message. It won't move you or anything like that but um so i do think those movies do have a place but i do think at the same time that um they can sort of promote the, the same stories being told over and over again and i feel like that just leads to a rather stale uh cinema experience sometimes and i i don't know i think that's why i like to support movies like uncut gems or, you know, I don't know, just movies that don't, that have a little bit of a more interesting approach to filmmaking and, uh, you know, more unique story to them. That's true. I just think that they, you know, all genres of movie have their, their place. It's just what, what the, what the director and uh, what, the, what they can do with that genre and what's, what's the unique thing that they can do, you know. I do think like slasher movies. That's another one that like that just gets pumped out. Like you know, they make like fifty or a hundred every year, and they're all just the same shit. It's just like it's really boring after a little bit. It's like okay, I've seen it again and again. But you continue to go see it. Hmm? But you continue to watch them. Your silence is deafening. 
Oh Sorry, you keep on cutting in and out. So I can't. Are you looking for a deeper message in this? Like, no, I, we, we keep seeing formulaic movies. Yeah, they're we get bored, man. We live in Modesto. There's nothing else to do but go to the movies. No, I that's just, that's. I just true. think it's disappointing when you know they just keep on pumping out like similar formulaic movies. Like I don't know, I just I just wish they would push the envelope a little bit more in a sense, I guess. Yeah, I want like the first Saw movie. Uh, first Saw movie, yeah, that did, I think, a pretty good job at, you know, yeah, trying something a little different, in a sense, and, yeah, no, I, I would say that would be maybe a good example, but like, Hereditary, that would be pretty good, but, um, the movie that's definitely pushing, like, the horror envelope, in a sense. Definitely. Um, I will say... Wow, that, that kind of segues into another point is a lot of people uh, discount the horror genre as, as a money grab, in a way. Um, me, myself, looking at if I were to get into the film industry, I've heard, I've heard plenty of people in the industry, industry like, or just people that are that are that are invested and talk. They talk with me about the film industry. They they all say you want to make quick money, a quick flip, make a horror film. It, it doesn't matter how low budget, as long as it has a compelling story or just evokes a, a, a particular sense within the audience or even approaches something differently. Just a, even a subtle difference, then you you can recoup your money. But I, I feel like what that does is it neglects the niche horror fanatics and uh, trailblazers. Right? Who who like if you were to defend this point, who would you who would you mention is like? People like they they go to see horror movies, obviously, but like there are people that are just solely horror and they make great stuff. Hmm. That's difficult because I don't. There aren't directors who make solely horror. Like the great horror directors I can think of, also made other films that weren't horror. Yeah. Like. Stanley Kubrick and The Shining. That's true. You know, and A Clockwork Orange. That's definitely a horror movie. People have argued with me time and time again. Full Metal Jacket is a horror movie. It's just different horror. It's a diff different horror. And, but for every, and like Hitchcock even, you know, Hitchcock did thrillers and horror movies. Every now and again there'd be a drama. Yeah. But he made a lot of horror films. And he did very well with it. How many dramas of Hitchcock have you seen? Honestly, I couldn't name a single See? Hitchcock drama. I, You're right. That's all I'm saying. I really just, couldn't. And and they get stuck in these niches. Like I, I one person that I that I would say notably is um, like James Wan. Um, he's pretty. He he has leveled up to producer and he's produced some pretty decent um just 
action movies. I, I've seen a, a couple producer titles on them, but uh, I'm always going to regard him as uh, Saw. No, in, in, seriously? Yeah. Wow, that's news to me. <laughs> uh, Insidious, um, stuff like that. Uh, I will say who else? Um, I think Rob Zombie. As much as he's horror, he's holding up Grindhouse, like, phenomenally. Yeah, that's true. What? Wow, I'm seeing argumentative in your face. Go for it. No, I just... Grindhouse, to me, was never really horror, because it was always, like, a comedic or a dramatic element to it. Like, uh... Death Proof, you know? That was terrifying, and that was super messed up. But there's also a dark comedic element to that movie. That's true. Planet Terror is a horror movie, but there, like, there's a girl in it with the machine gun for her leg. Like, there's just off the level, off the wall, ridiculous things in it. Yeah. Well, I think the funny thing is, is that comedy and horror. The two genres that definitely are mixed, you know, very well. I mean, like Shaun of the Dead. I know a lot of people don't necessarily classify that as a horror movie, but I mean, the ending is pretty like graphic. I mean, a guy gets like ripped in half, and it's pretty horrific. But I mean, the majority of it is comedy. But there are parts that have horror. You know, it's that it's that balance of finding the comedy and horror. You know, so I do think that yeah, that those are two genres that do mix surprisingly well. Mm. That's true. That's true. Um, well, even it. <laughs> look at look at the new the remake of it. It's it's hilarious. I right. Yeah, that's another good thing. What else? Which which one? You you know actually, the guy who comes to mind when you say successfully makes horror films is Jordan Peele. And I know that he's only made two so far. They were both really excellent films. You know, I mean, Get Out is widely regarded as a thriller, but it's definitely, it's got um, a classic horror element to it, right? Um, not exactly, but very similar to Chainsaw Massacre, where the guy gets taken and then changed into something else right similar concept definitely two different ways of taking it and then you have a movie like us where it's very philosophical and deep but just purely fucking terrifying honestly that movie was terrifying the first time i watched it <laughs> i remember i was there yeah no that that movie was definitely off the wall I, that's the thing I enjoy about Jordan Peele, too. It's just, he appeals to classic horror sensibilities, but also, if we were to, if I were to give, like, an attribute to him, is just his contemporary aspect of horror, starting to mix in uh, social commentary. Um, obviously, horror had some... El some element of social commentary. I mean, look at Hitchcock. He had 
entire show where he made statements constantly. There was always some moral to it, but even then, it also appeals to the sensibilities of, of today's uh, moral conundrums that they're just ambiguous. Like, like we, we make statements, but we just make them for the sake of making them without answers. It's almost... It's, it's very postmodern for the, for the most part. Like, it, like every, every show that I've seen thus far, like, I'm, I'm straying away from horror, like, and we're segueing, but, like, just off the top of my head, like, Ozark, mm -hmm. like, you have, it's obvious, obviously, uh, it's statements about capitalism in and of itself are just, like, pure capitalism, in the sense that just anything goes. Um, Breaking Bad does that as well. Breaking Bad as well. Um... They make statements that th these things are spinning out of control over the power of, like, just under the influence of the dollar. Mm. But is it necessarily a bad thing? Because you continue to watch it and you continue to feed into it. How worse can this get? Well, maybe there will maybe be some catharsis. So if he just continues to go forward with it, but we feed into the narrative even more. It only leaves you with more baffling questions. Mm -hmm. Or even like Westworld. Um, how far can we take AI? And what, what is the, like, is it a reflection of the depravity of man at that point? What defines humanity and all that? Yeah. Just vague questions. And what do you think, Titus? Like, what, is it okay that we're making such vague suggestions? Should a movie be definite? Should it be stated? Like a lot of the movies that I've watched or even stuff that, I've, that I'm writing and continue to write, I make no qualm. I, I state my position and how you divulge it or digress it is up to you. I leave it up to the audience. But now it's just suggestion. Or, role, or do, you, do you agree? Do you disagree with me? As far as like how to show like a like a social message or commentary, like just the messages that are being sent now—they're not even really messages, but questions posed. Mm. Like a like, all the ending themes are 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 postmodern. There there is no. I I feel like we have formally moved into that phase of, of thinking because like you look back a couple years before there was there was almost like like an absurdist sensibility of like cause and effect mm -hmm. you you double dipped in the stock market uh, now all of this is happening but you're gonna get yours but are you really though are we we were all involved but are we really even then, it's a vague question posed, but even but still, the answer is no, because we already know Wall Street got a bailout. Or if we base an entire film on rules like No Country for Old Men, which is just cause and effect and chance, though. Yeah, and chance. 
but even then there's still rules. Anyway, we'll get into that, but do you think it was all chaotic? Do you think that, that God was, like, totally absent? In no country? In no country for old men. I mean... And just our understanding of God as, like, an overseer. didn't even occur to me. And it, the silence to me just represented uh, how empty humanity can be sometimes. Because it was very... The whole story revolves around money, which is, uh, at its core, materialistic. But then you also have characters like Tommy Lee Jones, who's just trying to make it to the end of his service. He's retiring. He's just trying to be done with it all. So, and then you have Anton Chigurh. And how he just does things for the sake of doing them. So it's just, it's... Interesting that people came up with a concept of the reason why it's quiet is because God isn't there, right? He refuses to interfere or he doesn't care or whatever it might be. It's an interesting concept to apply to it, definitely. But I just really thought that it represented the emptiness of human beings at times, how careless they can be. True, true bleakness and just silence in the entire movie just the sound of the wind for the most part being the soundtrack of it all but um like i'll, I'll go even further is there a total lack of superordinate intervention like we we say chance as just is chance fair is it is it weighed because there's also, I mean, the the mindset from a lot of people is like like again we're segueing, uh, going into uh, True Detective, the show, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Woody Harrelson, they pose a lot of these questions, especially Russ Cole, where it's, or or, or I'm sorry, Woody Harrelson poses a question of. Do you really, what do you think would happen if, if God, if, if God and we didn't, or we didn't have God and we didn't have Ten Commandments? It would be a fucking bloodbath. And would it though? I don't know. You know? Is I think McConaughey's response to him was really interesting though. When he was like, what do you think these people would do without religion? And McConaughey says, the same thing they're doing behind closed doors, it'd just be out in the open. Yeah, I just, I just, if you need the promise of an eternal afterlife, or of, of happiness to keep you, to make you a good person, then you, no, and, and it's not, none of this is, is so much agnosticism or, or atheism, so much as it's posing the question of, if there was no God, and like for No Country Old Men, going back to it, there is no hand of chance. So wouldn't that represent, like everybody has this representational either or. Either there is a God and things are in order and they're in line, they're organized. Nothing's an accident. There's causality. Whereas if he isn't, like if there wasn't one, 
the people's response who are a part of the affirmative, they would say it'd be chaos. People would just go run rampant in the streets and things would just happen. Things would just, just catch fire. So would you say that, that the, spoiler alert, if, if you haven't seen No Country for Old Men, you can uh, cut to, um, with the ending of, of Anton Shabir and just how he went out without spoiling too much, uh, just happened random. Do you think it was at random or was it, he established rules throughout the entire movie. A flip, the flip of a coin, call it. Um, she or and then uh, she refused to uh, call it, but he still went on went on with it anyway. <clears throat> he set up all these rules of he is the dealer of chance, but he himself breaks his own rule at the end by killing her. She didn't call it. So does that not, that puts him at a conundrum. Does that negate his his personality or his persona that he's built up? Are you saying that by breaking his rule, it invited the presence of God and that's why he got to an accident at the end? I think, or, I think we if we presume that there is a void of God throughout the entire film, then he himself makes himself God and he is the dealer of chance. He's the I mean, the only God that we would probably have left if, if God was gone is death. Because he, he, he's just everywhere. He is probably, or if we personified or applied anthropomorphic attributes to a thing that is superordinate and something that is externalized outside of ourselves and the noumenon of perception, but we can see it, it happens. Um, we have for, for centuries uh, thought of death as an embodiment of something, or he had, or there isn't a tribute, there, there's he. Um, then that would probably be the only God, and he, is, he sets himself out to set the rules. These are the rules, that, like out of chaos there was rule, and it's just a coin toss. And then he's, he's, he's put on a crossroads, at, like, his own his own prowess is is put on blast in a way by by him uh, posing the question or, or 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 by him being refused uh, a call for his bet he doesn't know what to do nobody's ever refused me what Call it like it's almost desperate at that point. You can see the desperation in his face. Like, oh, my power is gone now. Like, call it, please. Like, call it. Well, it has no say. So, okay. And it just goes back to the like. I I, I may just be brand, but but it goes back to the 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 aspect of even he realized the stakes with the coin. Like, mm -hmm. it's a, it. Don't put it in your pocket. It it just becomes another coin, which which it is. But so he himself is is. It's still he still calls it a lucky coin, but he doesn't abandon the rule that everything is chaos and it just happens. It just happens. 
there is nothing holding him down from killing people or not killing people. Um, but then when he breaks that rule, shit happens to him. So is there, all out of all this convoluted rambling, my point or question would be, like, is there a dealer of chance? Is there a total absence of God? In the film? Yeah. yeah, in the film. Like, like everybody jumps to that conclusion. I think that if there's not God so much as, then there has to be rules. That there has to be causality. There has to be structure. Yeah. Of some sort. Which almost expresses the importance of even having Tommy Lee Jones. Like, he, he's the antiquated version of, of God and, and rules. Well, but the rules become gray area at this point. So it just depends on the films, really. You know, it depends on what idea films are trying to provoke. Because Joel and Ethan Cohen make all kinds of different films. But when you look at a lot of them, a lot of them end up meaning nothing at the end like it just events just happened and then at the end of it life goes on i will say that if nihilism is pointless why do people read it i feel like nihilism is a launch pad for obviously for something else like i i really don't think that nihilism for the sake of nihilism is going to survive philosophically. It is a launch pad for something else. Yeah. And like if you're stuck in that, I think I think well hearkening back to a Cohen film, like if you're stuck in that mode, he symbolized it within the Big Lebowski. Like I love that scene. Uh are they gonna hurt us? No Donnie, these men are nihilists. <laughs> yeah. Well, but then it's like what what does it's it's a uh, a philosophically what is it bankrupt? <laughs> it just it's it just negates itself at one point, but like like it's personified in the in the Lebowski going to uh, Mr. Lebowski's house, and he sees uh, what's what's her name the. Anyway, yeah. yeah, Bunny sitting by the pool, and he looks over, and there's this guy just with a bottle hanging out of his hand, and he's sitting on the floating and just like just moaning and sighing, like not mo, not even like a pleasurable moan. It's just like a like a give. I've given up moan. What's up with him? Oh, he's an nihilist, and it's just stuck. It, like it's at one point, it has to become a launch pad, and I. And I think that even with the Cone films meaning nothing, there is still there's substance. There's still substance, yeah. That's what I think that's what makes them so good. But if you look at each film, by the end of it, it's just a kind of like, my life goes on type deal. Well, even like, Titus, did you see Mother? Uh, this one with J-Law in it, right? With Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. And that's, it's like kind of the horror one where they move into a house or something like that. Was it a horror? 
Yeah, it was a horrible yeah, film. I, you think? I don't actually. I, I unfortunately, I don't think I saw it. Um, I didn't hear about it, and I did kind of hear about like the possible deeper meaning being tied to religion in a sense. I, I heard about that, but do know that was kind of controversial in a sense. But that was about it. Do you guys know what Mother was based off of? What people said it was supposed to be a remake of? Mm. Rosemary's Baby. Huh? It has a similar concept where she's alone in the house, her husband's off but present, and then strangers just start appearing to comfort her and mm. just be around her, and she feels like she's losing her mind. It's the same concept as Rosemary's Baby. Did they eat Rosemary's Baby? I didn't watch Mother all the way through. <laughs> That's how much I didn't like the film. See, and it's just... I just think that substance-wise, if it becomes like if if it becomes void of or I'm just afraid of where postmodernist like themes are gonna take us. I just I think well, it's given. I think uh, the movie that kind of had themes that are similar to the themes that were talked talking about right now is is uh, Racerhead uh, and by uh, the Lynch man himself. Um, I think that that movie, I think actually I think that that movie, despite coming out in the 70s, has a lot of similar themes to themes that we're exploring now in the modern era um, as far as like uh, um, uh, relationships and things along those lines and religion and I don't know, I think Eraserhead has a lot of deeper meaning to it. Well, Lynch uh, regarded it as one of his most spiritual films. I mean, I think it yeah. was his most spiritual film that he said mm -hmm. it was. But um, Religion's a recurring theme in a lot of blockbuster hits, like uh, The Matrix. There are heavy analogies to Jesus Christ with Neo and, uh, you know, Seraph is supposed to be an angel and things like that. It's been recurring since uh, probably the early 60s, as far back as there, you know. What do you think? <laughs> I was going to argue, see, dude. I'm always going to regard Blade Runner as an unfinished film for the sake of, did you, have you ever heard of the deleted scene that, um, that should have been in it, but was never, which one? Okay. The, the scene where, spoiler, if you haven't, if you haven't seen that movie, you should definitely go see that. So spoiler, I'll give you a minute. There's this, or the scene where he meets, or where Roy meets Tyrell, mm -hmm. and obviously does him in. the The concept was that he, when he does him in, like uh, machine components were going to come through the back of, were going to go through the back of Tyrell's head, and Roy was going to hold them in his hands, like, like what the fuck, like what. What is that? What is that? 
and then he sees he he sees a door opening for the like new Tyrell to come out. But then he like pushes him out of the way, goes down these steps, and he sees a glass crypt, like almost like Lenin esque, a glass uh, casket, and it's Tyrell, and he's perfectly preserved, but he's dead, like he's gone, and there are multiple copies of himself as replicant through the or. But he's transferred his consciousness into these machines. So he himself is within the limitations of his own creation. But he's also gone. Like Roy realizes that like at that point, there is no saving myself. There is no... I can't get life from this person who is also subject to the same laws as me. Like... He died just as much as I did, so it's like, I really am, my goose is, it would have cut so seamlessly into when he looks over at Sebastian, or right after he looks at Sebastian, him in the elevator, we could have completely cut the Sebastian part, Sebastian just loses his mind and uh, goes running out, but just going, him going into the elevator, like, in shock and, and realization, my life is over, I am living on limited time. Um, just that scene alone would have would have played into like man becoming or man becoming God, but that God is just as subject to man's laws as us. If you guys, we we talked about No Country for Old Men and uh, Blade Runner. Do you guys put those on a list of movies that people need to watch? Like, what are your, what do you guys think are films that everybody needs to watch at least? once like if you were like just 10 of them I mean I guess for my list I would try to mix in as like movies that would be important from a culture perspective and from movie culture perspective and I guess like technically speaking Mm -hmm. like how impressive they are but I guess probably the first movie I'd start out with would be Breathless by Pierre-Luc Godard I think that that was very, very important movie, especially in French cinema. That basically was a huge part of that uh, wave of French cinema that was coming through at that time and heavily inspired many future French filmmakers. Um, And it's just a very unique movie. I mean, it's literally just like shot in the streets. Like they just straight up like would just film in public and like wouldn't even let people know they would just film. Um, So that would probably be one. Um, I would definitely say 2001 A Space Odyssey just from a technicality perspective mm-hmm. I mean just some of the stuff that they were able to pull off at that time is incredibly impressive and I think it's very inspiring uh, so got eight more huh? uh, can I just do five sure. uh, I don't have enough <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I'll just do five I'll do five uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go back to Mr. Lynch. I'll go with Eraserhead. Okay. I think Eraserhead is really uh, thought-provoking. Has a very, very uh, some great cinematography in it, and yeah, really impressive. Um, uh, wait, 
Wait, am I up to four or three? Three. I can't remember. Three? Three. Did you all come back to me? I gotta, I gotta think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all good. Um, cause it's hard. It's it's hard to fit them all in one vowel. Yeah, cause I've got like way too many up there. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, obviously, Citizen Kane for me. Yeah. Um, no Country for Old Men, definitely. Um, Blade Runner, obviously. Um. I will say also Lawrence of Arabia. Love that one. Um, I think I think maybe Ivan's childhood. Uh, forbidden or is it Forbidden Kingdom? Which one? No, no, I'm sorry, uh Ran. Ran, if you really want to watch a watch one of Kurosawa that's like really makes you rethink things, Ikiru. Um, speaking of that, uh, I think one that you have to watch really would, in my understanding, like in my take, would probably be The Matrix. Really. I don't know, just just the hype around it. Um, for production, honestly, Ten Commandments. Yeah. Like just on just scale, or even Ben Hur. Just like if you want it, or okay. And if you're not, and if you're not like, oh, I don't want to watch no, no religious. Well, Spartacus. Kirk Douglas. Or Kirk Douglas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. no, no, no. no Kirk Douglas. Uh, filmed by Kubrick, written by Trumbo. Yeah. Watch that one. Um, Rebel Without a Cause. Um, The Godfather. Obviously, The Godfather. Apocalypse Now. I'm. I'm just listing them off. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. So. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is one of them. Yeah. I think everybody needs to watch that. Um, yeah, too true. Definitely The Godfathers, uh, part one and two. They were, they're near perfect films. They honestly are. Why are you saying Godfather one and two? Is, aren't there just two? There's just two. There's no, no part three, man. There's, there's a, let's just say there's a third one, but we don't talk about There isn't three. a third one. That doesn't exist. <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're right. Be like, oh, uh, I, I, yeah. Coppola resents that film. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> let's see, what else? Uh, Seven Samurai, I think, is an important one for people to watch. Uh, part yeah. of the foundation for uh, Star Wars. Um, American Graffiti, I think. I might be a little biased though because living in Modesto, that's where it takes place. That's kind of a cool thing to know that that's part of the history of the city. But I think that it was an important film, uh, especially for coming of age. Um, let's see. The Dark Knight. 
That oh, is definitely a, that the is Dark a Knight. film that everyone needs to watch at least once. That was brilliant. True. Um, that is a perfect film. You know, I have zero disagreement. Honestly, every single time I've watched it, and I say this, I, I say this sparingly about because I'm I'm very critical with films. Like I, I like as much as I go in and I enjoy a film, like I go watch a movie and you ask me, how'd you like it? Oh, it was really good. But then upon second watching, that's when I, oh, okay. Mm, we're, we're getting into the realm of formula or whatever. I, I start to judge it a little bit more. Every time I've watched that movie, I've, I've found something new. Without fail. Every single time. I try to, like, I try to point out what I found. Because usually the times that I rewatch it, I'm with somebody else who hasn't watched it. I'm like, dude, did you notice? Did you catch this? But then I'll sit and watch it because eventually I get hit with it. Just let me watch it. Mm -hmm. And I'll even watch it. And I'll find something new. And I, I didn't even see that. Or somebody will mention, oh, that was, that was a nice little nod. Bro, something new. Heath Ledger still gives me chills whenever he starts as the Joker. Just his first... When he's uh, talking to the mob, when he walks in, and he's just kind of introducing himself. I still get chills watching yeah. that. I get chills watching him, Christian Bale, go at it in the interrogation cell. It was just an amazing film that Christian Bale put out. It was fantastic. It was fantastically cast. It was fantastically shot. It's a perfect film. So that's definitely something that at least once. Um, yeah. Is it okay if I finish off my list? Yeah, go for it. I'm still thinking of some. It's difficult. Um, so I'm going to finish off my list by starting off with a more recent flick that I think unfortunately went way too under the radar, and that is The Lighthouse. I think The Lighthouse is a masterpiece. It's definitely something that everybody needs to see. It's very weird, trust me. The first time you'll see it, you're probably not going to like it even the first time you see it. You might think it's kind of dumb. But then you watch it a second time and it really, it'll it'll hit home. And it definitely uh, is very thought-provoking. I would say then after that, to go back to a classic, it would definitely be the first Alien movie. I think the first Alien movie is yeah. arguably one of the best, you know, horror movies of all time. Definitely. Um, just, of course, I mean, it's just one of, the, yeah, one of the most famous movies ever made. Um, and then I guess finally, I would say, um, of course, it's a very well-known movie, but I think probably did, you know, what it's like to be, I mean, I, I don't, but, you know, that sort of like druggy experience the best would probably be Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'd say that's a movie that everyone has to see. Hey! It's such a fantastic movie. It's hilarious. It's depressing. It's it's literally like, yeah, it feels like you're going on like an acid trip. And like, it's literally like, that's what it feels like. Such a good movie. If I, if I may add to the list, there are two Spielberg films that I think everybody needs to yeah. see. And that would be Saving Private Ryan mm -hmm. is something everybody mm. needs to watch. And Schindler's List. Mm. Those are 
brilliant films. I will say, if you want to watch film for the sake of film, but also enjoy watching, like watching a movie, I would I would highly suggest like like if you get into like if you're listening to this and you as a base point hopefully you're listening to this uh, as a base point for film if you if you're not really involved in film if you're gonna go if you're gonna start anywhere and this is me who's a fan of Kubrick and all these other folks but if you if you're gonna watch a film for the sake of film and as, as a homage to film. Spielberg is probably the, the base point to go to watch E.T. It's it's just storytelling um, Obviously Schindler's List um, He's so well-rounded Poltergeist if you want to watch a decent horror film stuff like that I that Jaws Phenomenal I just I don't know I do think that, oh, Pulp Fiction. Everybody needs to see Pulp Fiction. Yeah, everybody got to watch Pulp That's, Fiction. That is something that people need to see. Um, you want to watch a really good Tarantino film? I mean, obviously watch Reservoir Dogs. Like, if you haven't seen it, watch Reservoir Dogs. If you want to watch a really good Tarantino film, Inglorious Bastards. It's <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm getting laughs. Why? No, that's true. That's a great film. I just I remember watching that with a friend of mine who was uh, a history major, and he had never he had never seen it before, and he was we finished watching it, and I was like, "What do you think?" He's like, "That was just war crimes. Like the whole thing is just a war crime." And I was like, "Okay." It's definitely not the most historically accurate movie. Uh, let's just say Hitler didn't die in the way that he did in that movie. Unfortunately, he didn't die that way. That would be pretty awesome if that's actually how he died. Just fucking pumped full of lead. He's like, that was horrifying. That was an aberration of all that I studied, but thank you for taking me to this. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. No, I, I, honestly, I think the Tarantino films that people overlook, um, like, you know, you hear Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Glorious Bastards, uh, Django Unchained especially. Um, I think some of his best writing and best directing style came with Kill Bill. Kill Bill was very well written true. with the characters and how fleshed out they were and how it, it only took about three to five minutes for each character to, for you to understand the character, you know. I think that those were good. I still think his best film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though. I don't know how he's going to beat that. I think that that was the best film he's made. Yeah, he's only going to make a couple more movies after that. He's so. only making one more after this. It's that was only one nine. more. He's making ten, is what he said. <laughs> you had to say it. You don't like Hollywood, do you? Do you? I never got to fully watch it. You didn't finish Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I got pulled away. I, I'm going to sit down and watch it now. Ugh. That film was brilliant. Brilliant. Well. You know, it just... How did you miss up the ending of that? With that question, be in the spirit of... 
film love and and or just the love of film um might i post something i you're the host go ahead we're all the host <laughs> um i would like to say that my closing remark would be i'm going to go now and i'm going to watch <laughs> once upon a time in hollywood because right. i i instantly got hit with this sense of urgency i need to go watch that film you know what how about this i'll watch it again you watch it you finally finish watching it titus you watch it and we'll discuss it next time around because hey. i do think that that is his magnum opus i don't know how he's going to beat it it was just perfect for me oh man i gotta see it then it i gotta was finish it beautiful and okay, so for next episode, our the movie to discuss will be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, it is agreed. Hell yes, that is amazing. All right, sounds good. All right, and so the, okay, so but then what that means is is that you have made the first suggestion, so then it rotates to the next person. So who makes the next suggestion? You'll make the next suggestion. How about that? Who? You. Nah. Uh, go go, Mars. Oh my gosh. Can I make a suggestion for you? <laughs> no, not on my behalf. Why not like a racer head? Or... Oh my god. Because I know Wait, Mike will hate up, it. But I don't want you to <laughs> my, my suggestion. It hasn't come to me yet. Okay, well. Well, you got a whole other episode. To think okay, about what fine. you're going to suggest. I'll make a suggestion next episode, but that's next episode. Yeah. Okay. I got you there. What's what's the line? Because instantly I thought, uh, man bites dog. And I think, Titus, have you seen that yet? No, I've not seen that. Oh, you're going to be mortified. I think that'll, I'll, I'll put that on the back burner. You're going to put but, that in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the time being, we'll wait on Titus's suggestion. And this is Mike's formal I mean, suggestion. Yep. And that's my suggestion to everybody. You need to watch this film. And when you watch it, keep in mind, it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Meaning it's meant to be a fairy tale. So if it doesn't mirror reality, it's not supposed to. Well, I mean, I would, I mean, I would suggest, you know, like Marcy, you're saying, like, you wanted to suggest dog. What was it again? Man bites dog. Just um, hockey bay. Yeah. I mean. Oh. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. This has been the first episode of the Sled. Join us again next week. We will be posting an episode weekly. Thank you all so much. I've been Michael Luciano. I've been Marciano Zagman. I've been Titus Wilkinson. Thank you all so much and have a great evening.